Hey everyone, and welcome to Mind Body Green's beauty podcast, Clean Beauty School. I am your host and beauty director, Alexander Engler. Today, we are chatting about herbs and how they can relate to skincare, hair care, and overall health. Herbal medicine is, of course, nothing new and has been used throughout all of human history. Not to mention, it is probably far more intertwined with your day-to-day life than you even realize. Ever drink a green tea in the morning to perk you up, and then a chamomile in the evening to lull you to sleep? Well, you're dabbling in herbal medicine. The same can be said about your beauty routine, especially if you tend to use natural leaning products. Ever make a rose water toner, or add flowers to your bath, or even use something like a tea hair rinse? Well, you're using herbal medicine. Even the basis of a lot of beauty products is in herbal medicine. For example, rosemary is often used as a stabilizer in a lot of modern day beauty products. This is all to say herbal medicine is all around you. And as I often say in a lot of my introductions, we are not going to be able to cover it at all today here by any means, but we do get into a lot of really interesting tidbits. So today I am chatting with Rochelle Robinette, an herbalist and founder of Supernatural. Throughout this episode, we are chatting about how you can fold herbs into your day-to-day life and your beauty routine. So without further ado, welcome. So glad to be here. Well, I'm so glad to have you. I feel like I am going to learn so much in this episode. And so I want to actually just jump right in to get to know you a little bit better and to help our audience get to know you a little bit better. I would love to hear your story. What is your journey into the wellness space and, you know, specifically the herbal medicine space? Yeah. So let's see. I I feel like my, you know, path to plant-based wellness, to herbalism, to everything that I'm doing now, it began far before I realized it. So I grew up in mostly in nature on a farm in the Pacific Northwest in the Rainier Valley in Washington State. You know, my dad came from a family of ranchers and was very intent on us learning the value of, you know, getting dirty and doing hard work and playing outside and being in nature a lot, caring for animals, caring for a garden. And we also were lucky enough to travel a ton. So I developed very early an understanding of, you know, nature and how we, how valuable it is to remain kind of connected to it on a fairly daily basis. And then both of my parents were in medicine. So my dad was a anesthesiologist, you know, very typical like surgery and medicine, Western medical doc. And my mom is still practicing as a functional nutritionist and was very sort of open-minded and allowed me to explore whatever I wanted, you know, if it was acupuncture at a very early age to tarot cards to, you know, any kind of flight of fancy that I had. She's like, that's great. Let's go explore. So, you know, I also grew up with you know, in homes that were aware of the impact of food on our bodies, on mental states, supplements, you know, good habits like sleep and movement and and all of that. I feel like I had a very early education in some things that I learned then, you know, I I still 
practice and, and teach to clients today on a, on a very regular basis. So I had all that as a foundation and I was miserable <laughs> on the farm. I did not want to work with plants or gardens or animals or dirt. I went straight to New York City and worked in fashion. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, that's the total opposite. Uh -huh. And it was intentional. I was like, I don't want this for my life. I want the opposite. Get me the hell out of here. <laughs> so I did yeah. that. And long story short, after reaching a certain point in fashion, which I really loved, it was not a negative exit. It was a very positive you know, stage and having retained all of this information and like my personal health practices were so uh, strict at that point. So I was working in fashion, but I was raw, vegan, sober, like very, <laughs> very, very. And, you know, the wellness industry wave began right at the point when I was finishing up my time in fashion and, and people started to recognize like I was their token wellness person. They're like, oh yeah, she's already doing this. She's already practicing these things or just went on a retreat to Peru or, you know, let's ask Rochelle. And it got sort of drawn out of me. I didn't want to do this as my career in the beginning. It was, it was a personal thing, um, but the world asked for it. And so I acquiesced and Supernatural was born. <laughs> short, short. short. <laughs> you know, it is funny that when the quote unquote wellness industry really began to rise, it really did take hold of the fashion industry in this really interesting way. What was that dynamic like, especially since you were in fashion when you decided to transition? Yeah. Yeah. I reflected on that a lot then. And I, and in retrospect, I still do. And I think that you know, New York is such a cool hub and petri dish and kind of, you know, the center of these progressive early adopter types. And I think that in fashion, there were a lot of the beginnings of wellness already in terms of, you know, the receptivity to things like juice cleanses or yoga or some of the extremes or maybe eccentricities that were the earlier parts of the wellness movement. You know, it's it's become much more accessible now you know it's not quite so me and so yeah I, I saw and I know and it's very funny to know people who you know used to be in fashion and our and our lives and lifestyles and you know everything that we were doing is was very different then than now and here we are in wellness so I think there are just I think you you see a lot of kind of personality traits and the types of people that like the things about the fashion industry that like some of these things about the wellness industry. And I think for me, it was a very New York experience too, because there was this like migration of fashion into wellness. So sure. Yeah. You know, your focus is very much in the herbal medicine space. And so just to get a little bit more specific, you know, you had this basis of wellness your entire life. You have been living this practice in New York. You start getting and you become the wellness friend. And then how did you, you know, funnel that into herbal medicine specifically? Like, what was the draw to herbalism at, at the core of your practice, uh, other than all the other wellness practices that you could go into? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, when I started and, and when I started Supernatural, herbalism was a big part of it, but it wasn't necessarily the 
the foundation or the core or the the essence of it. You know, I was much more holistic than that. And that's because I was still sort of building what my practice and what my message would be and, and really just trying to understand for myself, what are the pillars? What are the things that I believe are absolutely essential and what's the sort of foundation of this thing? And the more that I dug down into the roots of things. So I'm very interested in, you know, the mechanism of action, the root cause, the the origin of the medicine, like the very, you know, the very basis of the thing. And I kept returning to plants and to plant medicine as that, you know, that's where our medicines come from. That's what functional foods are. And I realized, you know, that herbalism isn't just herbs. Herbalism is all the other things that I was doing as well. It is also food and lifestyle and environment. And so then I sort of realized, oh, herbalism is holistic enough as a sort of practice to encompass all the things that I believe in. That is the one, you know, that's the one thing that can hold all the things. And so it's, it's almost ironic because it's, because it is holistic, that is, you know, what I focus on. And it did give me, it did sort of resonate. Like, you know, it's like that tuning fork moment when you sort of realize, oh, this is the, this is my thing. This is right for me. And I think the other thing that I love about, there's so many things, but one of the things I love about herbalism too, is that the opportunity to study and learn more about herbs and how to work with herbs and people is just endless. You could study this for the rest of your life and, you know, you would not know it all. It's just, it's so rewarding to be able to continue to learn and grow and deepen uh, an understanding of a topic, which I find really rewarding. Yeah. You know, I I do think that is what is rewarding about the wellness space in general. It's Mm -hmm. just, there's just so many facets to go down and avenues to explore. And that makes it, you know, like you said, never ending journey. Mm-hmm. On that point, what is your wellness philosophy? Mm, yeah. So my philosophy, I, I believe in empowering and powerful education about the functional effects of nature, really. And from the beginning, what I've been doing is aiming to enable people with education. It's been about, you know, information, demystification, simplification, accessibility, function, and just taking all these things from the herbal world, from the natural, you know, health space, and making it really real and really useful. And then teaching people, you know, quote unquote, how to fish, how to feel like they know their bodies, their minds, and also the wellness industry and the space so they can go out and choose what they need and feel like they understand, you know, the space better because that is its own challenge. So, you know, really trying to to help people to reclaim their own health. You know, this is a beauty podcast, so I also want to ask you, what is your beauty philosophy? Do you have one? (laughs) Well, I, I don't know if I had one before I knew that this podcast was coming up per se, but, you know, a good friend of mine who's a hypnotherapist always suggests that I offer up the first thing that comes to mind. And the first thing that came to mind is uh, that health is beautiful. Sure. But 
immediately thereafter, I have to say, you know, that definitely wouldn't be my definition of beauty because, you know, we may be, we may be termi terminally ill, we may be on our deathbed, and, and that can also be beautiful. Like so many aspects of life that are not, you know, traditionally beautiful are, are truly beautiful for these other reasons. So I really do think that, you know, beauty is about us being as wholly ourselves as we can be. And in order to be that, you know, it's, it's a degree of balance, it's a degree of being connected internally and externally. And I kind of think of it as a state of long-term flow too. You know, we're just really in sync. And then it may not be like happy, positive, you know, smiley beauty, it, but it can be beautiful in another, you know, more poignant sense. But it's it's real. It's real, really real. I think that is such a beautiful way to look at that question and to answer the question, because at the end of the day, beauty isn't just a, a practice or a mean of rituals or whatever we come to understand it in modern media. It's it's a philosophy and it's a way to look at the world around you. And so I, I love getting into the nuances of that. And I think your answer covered that perfectly. But to get back to a little bit to of herbalism and herbal medicine, I would love to hear more about your practice and how you work with people. You know, if you have someone who who comes to you to address an issue or or they just want to learn more from you, you know, how do you work with people and how do you approach your practice? Yeah. Well, I have to say that my practice has been so rewarding and i've learned so much by working with people one-on-one -on -one just over and over and over again you know over the past many years and i don't take many clients at this point just because sure. i'm running you know so many other operations however i do always maintain some clients because i find it so um, important to be connected immediately to the people who you know supernatural is serving so you asked, you know, if somebody comes to me with a specific issue, and I think there are people who come with what, you know, a specific issue or set of issues, and then other people who just come and say, you know, I don't know, I don't feel as well as I want to, or I think I could feel better, just kind of generally, what can we do? And I take everybody sort of in the same way, and that is hear whatever's on their mind or, you know, in their body. And also still ask all of the questions that I have in my intake form that, as you would imagine, is completely holistic. So, yeah. you know, I want to know everything that people are eating and drinking, all about the details of all of their symptoms, sleep and digestion and mood and energy, health history, family history, and also things that I think are at the, they're sort of my secret sauce, which are related to drive and motivation and sort of the reason that we are making the decisions that we're making or not making the decisions that we want to be making and things like habits and cravings and dependencies. So starting to feel like a therapy session. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, and and I'm I'm definitely not a therapist and I don't I don't get out of my depth and I, I love, you know, therapy and I think it definitely has its place. So, you know, everybody could, could see a therapist and work with an herbalist. But, you know, me just 
So this gets back to my point about kind of empowerment and enablement. You know, if I just tell somebody what to do and I don't understand, you know, how to help them with the how or the why, you know, those are usually the majority of the issue when it comes to people not being able to change their health or not being able to kind of get the upper hand and um, get through a plateau or maintain a change. It's like the what, the sort of tactical stuff is is pretty easy to check off. We get you a meal plan or we get you a supplement list. But really, like, why do you keep forgetting to take that supplement? Why don't you have time to go for a walk? Or why don't you have time to get to bed on time? You know, these these softer sort of issues are life-changing and they get below the the more superficial symptom layer kind of, like I mentioned, tactical stuff. And I think that when we get into that, you know, people's lives do change. And my clients have some incredible stories because they're just like, they continue to break through and break through and break through and break through. And, and you know, I have one client who's like, what's next? She's like, can you teach me how to start practicing the piano again? <laughs> like, I think we have to stop now. Yeah. Is know? there a supplement for that? But it's all, it's all got to, it's all got to be there together to, to work best is, is what I believe. You know, you mentioned that sometimes people come to you and they don't really understand what the issue is. Mm. They just know that they don't feel their best. And that is fascinating to me because I think I sometimes fall in that category mm-hmm. where I don't even I'm not even, I don't even know what questions to ask myself Mm. to understand why I'm not feeling the way I am or why I'm not feeling the best that I can be. And, you know, I'm somebody who's pretty good care of herself and I'm somebody who takes pretty good care of her skin. And, you know, I I really do prioritize mental health. But I, I do think that there is a little bit of a block there in terms of people maybe just don't even know how to get in touch with themselves. Like, how do you encourage people to kind of move past that barrier? Mm-hmm. Well, you you said it exactly. You know, we, we as a people have in a lot of ways lost the knowledge or the experience of being in touch with our body in such a way that we understand what it is saying and its way of communicating is, is via symptoms, right? So... It's different for everybody and every, you know, sort of symptom or situation, but some examples can be keeping a journal or a tracker. You know, this works really well for digestion. So if somebody who has, you know, somebody has periodic or semi-regular digestive issues or breakouts or something, you know, skin-related rashes or inflammation of any kind, starting to track it and just look back, you know, in the last 24 hours and just do that for a month. Almost always that alone yields some insight. And I don't even have to be part of that. You know, a client will say, I did the tracker and I looked back at it and it was clear as day. Every time I ate XYZ food, I had a stomachache and I had no idea that that was causing my issue. Sometimes it's more, I mean, sometimes it's as simple as having, you know, the right tests done, looking at, you know, hormone levels, or nutrient levels or things like that. Sometimes it takes a little bit more kind of feeling around and we just have to stay with a sensation or an experience and see what we can learn about it when we simply, this is actually big, so when we simply just pay attention to it. So often 
we start to feel uncomfortable or something with our body happens and we move immediately to medicating it. And we learn less in that case. Sometimes we learn nothing at all, you know, because we move so quickly to change it. Even yesterday, you know, it was a dark day in New York. It was cold. I'm super sensitive to light changes. I love to be outside in the sun. And I was like, I feel sad. And I went to my cabinet of herbs and I was like, okay, I have all the herbs for this. What am I going to take? And then I thought, you know what? Maybe I'm just not going to take anything today. And I'm just going to feel this. And I'm going to see if I can learn a little bit more about what this sensation is like. Where's it coming from? Where does it go? Do I really need to be away from it? And just like live with it for a little bit. So I did that. Yeah. You know, so anyway, there's there are a few different ways. Yeah, I do think that last point is so important. Like you noted, like you noted, it's, you know, kind of sitting in that discomfort and sitting in your own sometimes emotions, sometimes, you know, physical, you know, maybe aches or whatever it is. And I do think that that is such an important point because we do learn so much about ourselves when when we acknowledge that something is happening inside of us. Yeah. And, you know. Could I add just one more note there? Please. I was going to say, I was going <laughs> to ask a follow-up, but I'm sure whatever you are going to say is more profound than what I could. <laughs> it may not be, you know, but I just, I think that one of the greatest lessons that I ever learned was, you know, as a, as a child, when something happened, I had a headache or, you know, a bloody nose or whatever it was, my mom would just, just ask me why I thought it happened. You know, why, why do you think you have this symptom? Why do you think this thing is happening? And that, that alone might be an, an entry point for, you know, people today just to kind of ask why, because the symptom is not, it's, it's almost never the point. <laughs> Something caused the symptom. So if we can ask why, you know, and I get asked a lot, what's the herb for X? What's the herb for X? And the er there isn't an herb for X. You know, there is an herb for you or for the cause of X. But it's, it's, a, it's a level or many levels deeper than the symptom usually. Yeah, you know, it's almost, it's funny that you learned that in childhood because I do feel like that is such like a childhood practice that mm -hmm. we often forget just asking why and mm -hmm. why and why and why. <laughs> yeah, true. I think we grow yeah. out of that habit, but I think that maybe we should get back to it. <laughs> okay, so I'm curious. You are somebody who has been in the wellness space for a long time. You have this practice. You, you know, you are very much in an expert at herbal medicine. I am sure you come across a lot of misconceptions. Do you have any that, you know, you you run into quite frequently that you want to debunk? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> so I have, I'd say there there are about four misconceptions that I'm constantly like, yes, please get, give me the mic. I would love to talk about that. So the first one is just, you know, that herbalism is all about, or that herbalism is only about herbs. You know, and I sort of mentioned earlier, it's not. It's so much more holistic. And most herbalists don't even start with herbs when they give you, you know, a sort of consultation or a protocol. Another misconception that I'm constantly, you know, yammering on about is the fact that adaptogens and herbs are not synonym. The quick way at that is just to mention that, you know, there are thousands and thousands of medicinal plants 
and we categorize them based on their actions. And only a small group of herbs, about two dozen, are considered adaptogens. And adaptogens are not better than any other category of herbs. They just happen to have a really sexy name that is very popular right now because it's related to our ability to deal with stress. So yes, adaptogens are very, very trendy right now in the beauty and wellness spaces. As she notes, they help the body manage stress. Specifically, they help your body's stress system, which is the sympathetic nervous system. So what happens is this system controls hundreds of pathways that are responsible for inflammation. Adaptogens can help this system adapt to modern life and the chaos that comes with it. They can also help deal with oxidative stress in the body. And as we have talked about before, oxidative stress is often the root of many issues, including skin irritation, premature aging, hair shedding, and so on. But as she also knows, adaptogens can kind of be this catch-all phrase used in modern wellness spaces. So just be sure to use a critical eye when you're using anything that boasts that it has adaptogens in it. But, you know, as a a quick example, there is a category of herbs called nervines or nervines, which love our nervous system and are also great for stress. And hardly anybody knows about those just because adaptogens have the spotlight right now. So I think it's, you know, if you hear that a thing has adaptogens in it, it's, you know, it's usually a mis, misuse of the term. I guess the last, like the last couple points I'll just kind of mention as one. And, you know, I think it may be clearing up as wellness and health, you know, and natural health become more and more popular. But I like to, I like to clarify or kind of almost remodel that herbalism is not just run by, you know, witches and farmers and it's not, it's not fringe and esoteric and kind of dubious and, you know, lacking in science. And it's actually, you know, the foundation of modern medicine and it is the primary form of healthcare for like 80% of the world's population. It is so, it is so much bigger and more powerful and more a part of our history and more interwoven in our lives than we realize. I think sometimes it kind of sounds or it has this conception of being, this preconception of being a little weird and funky and crunchy. <laughs> it's, it has the power to, you know, merge with, with medicine and be our future. So. Yeah, I I very much agree with that. I do think the wellness industry sometimes does itself a disservice by separating itself because, mm-hmm. you know, the wellness industry and these various practices within the industry are so fundamental to our daily lives and mm-hmm. what, you know, so I do think that there's probably a little bit of that just because when you think about herbalism, it is interwoven in our daily lives and mm-hmm. we just don't know it. You're very right. I totally agree. So if somebody is interested in getting into the herbal medicine space, whether it be, you know, learning about it themselves or visiting a practitioner, you know, what are some advice for beginners that that you often give out just in case if anybody listening wants to start dabbling um, and learning more? Yeah, definitely. I think that, you know, first there's two two ways to look at it. So are you interested in just kind of incorporating more of herbalism into your life or your family's life, your community's life, or do you want to become an herbalist? And 
that path might be the same in the very beginning, but then it, you know, and then it deviates because the type of information and kind of commitment you're going to make would vary. But, you know, there are herbalists all over the world. So wherever you are, you know, I would recommend finding a local herbalist or an herb shop or a health food store, a farmer's market, those kinds of places and see if you can't connect with local people who are working with plants. And I think when we start locally, it's really nice because it makes it immediately applicable and also hmm, it makes it very tangible and very real. So you'll start to walk outside and you'll see these plants that you realize are medicine that have been growing all around you. You know, you can work with them if you want to. You don't have to. But, you know, the first time I walked out of my Brooklyn apartment and saw mugwort and realized what it was, it was just just this incredible epiphany and, and it starts to feel like you're surrounded by friends. So Anyway, a local aspect is really nice. And then, of course, online, the American Herbalist Guild is the main governing body. So they have a ton of resources. Mountain Rose Herbs is another great kind of curator of herbs and books and schools. And there are all sorts of ways to educate yourself. We, of course, have classes as well. But, you know, my classes are not meant to teach you how to be an herbalist as much as they are meant to teach you how to live with herbalism in your daily life to basically, you know, be healthier with plants. Yeah. You know, on that point, are there any ways that you encourage people to, you know, fold in herbalism with their daily lives? Do you have any that you that you can share? Oh, sure. Well, I mean, and this gets to the point of it being so holistic. I think, you know, if I am asking you to drink more water every day, <laughs> that you know, that would be part of my herbal protocol for you. But sure. fair enough to get a little more herby about it. You know, drinking herbal tea is a fantastic way to bring herbalism into your life, especially because you get to see the plants, taste the plants, you can see the colors. You know, if you're if you're drinking flowers, that's always an incredible experience. I'm really a fan of, you know, taste and color and as opposed to just capsules which there's nothing wrong with capsules except that we get a little disconnected from the source when we can't you know experience it with any of our senses obviously you could garden in any way growing one plant or a couple would be one way to bring herbs into your life essential oils is another great way let's see i mean yeah so so many but i'll, I'll leave it at those for now because like I said earlier, this is a beauty podcast. I do have some beauty questions teed up for you that I, I would love to ask about. And, you know, I, I always do like to preface any advice that I get from any of my experts is that, you know, everyone is unique and some <laughs> advice works for some people. It doesn't work for others. And to, you know, take take all advice and and exercise it with caution with your with your own self and I'm sure you would agree with that but that being said what are some of your favorite herbs that help support skin yeah definitely I feel like this is where people love and hate me because I'll say greens <laughs> I'll say eat your vegetables They're like yeah 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 that's what you always say but it is it is truly what I believe so you know for me those deep deep greens and purples like spirulina and chlorella and Blue-green algae and, uh, you know, on and on in, in that world are really impactful in so many different ways. And I think it's it's hard to overstate the value of a fantastic diet. So doing the best you can really with food, water, fiber. And then for skin, I, I like to look at kind of categories of herbs. So anti-inflammatories 
are a wonderful way, obviously, to reduce redness in the skin. Turmeric is my favorite there. I really like liver supports, which are going to help, of course, with detoxification, but also with hormone balance. So simple herbs that are really well tolerated by most people would be some liver root, not liver root. <laughs> it would be dandelion root for your liver, burdock root, milk thistle. Those are fantastic. And the greens again, as well as the fiber. A little bit more in the topical realm, rose petals. Such a great plant. Those are astringents. So you can use that. And I use them in toners and hydrosols. Uh, rose petal tea is also lovely to drink. So you can have that internally or topically. It's working in the same way that witch hazel is working topically. Uh, let's see. I love... So there's a, a category of herbs called vulneraries, which means that they're wound healers. So calendula, aloe, plantain, oat is really beautiful topically. A lot of these things that are kind of healing the skin on the surface. And also, you know, what's funny is those tend to be really great for the gut as well, because they're doing the same thing to our gut lining that they would do to the surface of our skin. Sure. I love that, that mm. connection there. That's so beautiful. Yeah. I can stop there. I mean, if you have more, I'm all ears. <laughs> <laughs> well, there the list is so long. I think, you know, I and that's that's sort of why I break it down into categories. It's like, okay, if I have one really good anti-inflammatory in my life, one really good antioxidant. So for antioxidants from the herbal world, I really just go to fruit, you know, really good mm -hmm. wild um, blueberries or goji berries. Circulation supports are fantastic. So if you're somebody who's a little low on circulation, then things like Ginger, which is also anti-inflammatory. So ginger, cayenne, black pepper, those are really great. I'm doing a lot of those right now. Sure. And then I'm yeah. sure a lot of people would need that right now just because I do feel so sedentary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Gives you a little bit of that, like that warm, you know, glow. Sure. But if, yeah, if you break it down into categories, it can make it a little bit easier to you know, lay out your herbal routine and know, okay, I've got one in each category or a blend in each category. And so those boxes are checked for me right now. And then, you know, over time, if you want to change something, you may want to change your antioxidant source or your anti-inflammatory source or your, you know, vulnerary. And that's a really interesting way to look at it is like come up with the boxes that you know that you need to check for yourself and then just make sure you're getting Mm -hmm. you know, whatever herb or food from that category. It's almost like setting it up like a topical skincare routine. Like, you know, you need mm -hmm. your face wash, you know, you need your toner, you, you know, mm -hmm. you know, you need your moisturizer. So I, I like that, that visualization there. That's very, as somebody who can be very much needs to check boxes, I find <laughs> that very helpful. I agree. I love that. <laughs> Do you have any that are helpful for hair? We get a lot of questions about, you know, various ingredients for, for hair, whether it be hair growth or, you know, reducing shedding. Is there anything that can help in that realm? Yeah. So for hair, for hair and skin health, I always go to gut health first mm. because, you know, as I just mentioned, you know, the gut and the skin, well, I didn't totally mention it, but the gut and the skin are directly related. There's the gut-skin axis. It's, you know, it's a system that is so interrelated that, you know, you could consider it one. So that's very important. The other reason that gut health is so important is that that's where we're absorbing a lot of these nutrients, especially the nutrients that we need for hair health. So 
if we're taking these, you know, herbs or supplements and we're not absorbing them because our gut isn't in a great place, then, you know, we're not doing ourselves much good. So that's another kind of vote for making sure that gut health is in a great place. But otherwise for hair health, and then the other thing to understand with hair health, of course, is stress levels and any other kind of cause of shedding or, you know, stress can obviously be such an issue for that. So then if you want to take herbs or supplements for hair health, I am usually looking at herbs that are high in minerals and nutrients, but primarily minerals. And the nice thing about herbs is, you know, when you drink them in teas or you're taking them in kind of a full spectrum extract, because they're full spectrum, they tend to be much easier to absorb and you're getting more of them than if you took a isolated extract. Uh, a perfect example of that is iron and using alfalfa, which is a great herb to drink in a tea, take in a capsule, but really just drink it in a tea. The iron absorption from alfalfa is fantastic. And that can be a really tough one, you know, to supplement yeah. for. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm oh, definitely going to use that one. That's great. Yeah, I don't I don't take an iron supplement at this moment, but I also know that I, I am in, having increased hair shedding right now, which I think is a little bit to do with stress. But I also think that, you know, iron does absolutely play a role. So I think that's a great tip. Yeah, yeah. Alfalfa is wonderful. I also I love nettle for that. It's a, one of my favorite herbs, period. Horsetail is also great. Dandelion leaf, red raspberry leaf. You know, so you could you could do one of those herbs or you could make a little blend of all of them and drink that every day and you're getting your water and you're getting your iron supplement, you're getting a bunch of other nutrients. And um, that could be a wonderful way to, you know, bring herbalism into your life and then support your hair health. I want to ask one question before we get into your own personal um, wellness and beauty habits. And it's just, you know, what are some things that people should be cautious of when they start, you know, dabbling in the herbal medicine space? Are there things that people should keep an eye out for? Are there red flags? You know, I'm just, I'm curious. What, what are some red flags for you? Yeah. You know, I'm actually writing a paper on that topic because there's so much fear around sure. herbs and most of the time that it's I don't want to say it's unwarranted but most of the time it's just not a big deal not, <laughs> people don't enough. have to be afraid and so much more of the work is is taking that fear down than raising or waving red flags it's really about you know don't be afraid come to the plants like use them you know a lot of these are, you know, some of the ones that I just mentioned to you that are really nutritive, you know, they're almost foods. So it's mm -hmm. like, how many red flags will I wave about vegetables? Not that yeah. many. <laughs> Great point. <laughs> you know, and mixing herbs, you know, historically and globally, herbs were, were only mixed. You know, they were never used as, as singles. And so we're in a very to me, it's a very curious mindset. I really want to understand where the fear around herbs comes from. And I know one of the primary fears is, well, will it interfere with my medication? Mm -hmm. And that's a valid fear. There are some herb drug interactions, but there are very few of them. And in that case, you know, if you are on medication, you'll just want to talk to your healthcare practitioner or your herbalist about any kind of mixing that you'll do. But generally, 
You just want to try to buy good quality herbs just like you would buy good quality food. Start small, you know, pay attention to what the recommendations are. If you're drinking a tea, the likelihood of doing yourself any harm is is very, very slight. If you're taking, you know, big heaps of powders and not paying attention to the dosage, then, you know, you might end up making yourself overstimulated or too sleepy. But a little bit of common sense and, you know, starting small is is generally all it takes. But I would say if you're on medication, that's where it's worth raising a flag. And that is just to, you know, make sure that you understand the implications of mixing, which, you know, there are some. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you like you said, it's it sounds just kind of like common sense. We've we figured it out with how we feed ourselves. So I'm sure we can figure (laughs) it out here, too. Okay, so the last section that I wanted to ask you about is your own habits and what you do for yourself. So let's start with your wellness must-haves. What are, you know, some of the core part of your routine that you you either do every day or just a very core part of the way that you that you take care of yourself? Yeah. So it will not be surprising that my personal health practices is really, you know, my top priority. It's fairly non-negotiable for me at this point. And it the the pieces of it that matter are very basic in the sense that the food that I eat, you know, matters every day, every meal, every decision, the water that I drink and how much of it, the sleep that I get and the exercise that I get. Those are, you know, my non-negotiables. If I can go outside, <laughs> then I will be outside because the light matters. If I ha- if I can't go outside because it's 12 degrees, then, you know, I have a sad lamp and I do indoor light, you know, treatments, but it's really food, water, sleep and uh, exercise. And those are every day. Okay. Yeah. So for your beauty routine, can I ask what do you do for your skin? Do you have a skincare routine? I do. Yeah. So I wash my face at night and that's pretty that's pretty non-negotiable too. I was thinking like if I had to like choose between brushing my teeth or washing my face, like it would always be washing my face. <laughs> okay, mine would too, which is gross to think about, but I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's keep going. <laughs> yeah. So I always, you know, I wash my face. I use a cleanser. The cleanser will vary based on am I wearing SPF? Am I wearing makeup? You know, what like what's on my face? And and you can I'll just tell you. And if you want more detail, you can ask for more yeah, detail. Please. But always cleanser and then always a toner. And that that sometimes varies depending on like the season. Uh right now I'm using a rose and aloe toner. I also really like a mushroom toner. It's like an origins mushroom toner by Dr. Wheel. Sure. Yeah. I love that line. Yeah, it's great. The cleansers, I'm kind of alternating between like a Sunday Riley, Murad. There's a line called Rose, W-O, I mean, R-O-W-S-E. Rose makes really beautiful plant infused products. So always cleanser, toner, serum. Serum tends to be vitamin C or retinol. Sometimes I'll do some other things, but those are my most frequent two. Always an eye. And most often it's C or retinol based in some way. I don't really have 
dark circles. I'm not worried about puffiness. I don't have any kind of pigmentation issues that I'm working working on. So it's just sort of prevention and maintenance. And then always a moisturizer. And my skin likes a lot of moisture. So I tend toward heavier moisturizers. Right now I'm using Laneige sleeping mask or okay. yeah, they vitamin C. Yeah. If I'm in a hurry, it's like wash and sleeping mask, but that doesn't happen often. And then in the morning, I usually just like do a toner again and kind of reawaken those products from the night before because I go down and sweat my face off on the Peloton or on a run. <laughs> so I don't. That's the best way to wash your face through sweat. <laughs> I'm convinced of it. I mean, some people would probably say that's horrible. Like you're you're sweating and like absorbing your skincare products from the night before. I don't know, but it like it all comes off. You know what? A dermatologist <laughs> told me once that the best way to wash your face is through sweat, and I have stuck with that. Great, and I'm still doing it. <laughs> that's great. I mean, I will use like if I'm on the Peloton, I'll use like the Ursa Major face wipes, which are really nice. Or sometimes a wipe that has rose in it. And then after that, you know, I'll go back up and put on usually just one layer of moisturizer that's like a lighter day moisturizer and SPF for the day. So when to do skincare pre and post-workout is actually kind of confusing and I'll totally admit that. But a few years ago, the other beauty editor on our team, Jamie Schneider, did a story answering this exact question. So here is kind of our rundown. If you work out in the morning, you definitely should not bother doing your skincare routine beforehand. As board certified dermatologist Ellen Marmer said, sweat is the best cleanser. So then after your workout, you can do your normal skincare routine as you see fit. However, it is best to let your skin calm down a bit before going in with any intense actives. After you're sweating, your pores tend to be more open, so sometimes they are more prone to irritation if you're using strong ingredients. Basically, your best bet after you work out is just using calming products. If you work out in the middle of the day, like say over your lunch break, it's a bit trickier. You certainly don't want to work out in makeup, so if you put on any makeup that morning, be sure to remove that if you can. We recommend using something super, super gentle like a micellar water, as this can remove the makeup without needing you to do a really intense or harsh stripping cleanse. And then after you work out, you'll definitely want to stick to a very simple skincare routine again, something like a toner or a calming face lotion. If you work out in the evening, again, you will want to remove your makeup if you're wearing any that day, then you can work out. And then afterwards, go ahead and do your nighttime routine as needed. So I don't do like a whole re-cleanse, you know, mm -hmm. only one cleanse a day. And that's sort of how I treat my hair too. I only wash my hair once a week at the most. So I'm not a big fan of over-cleansing. I like that body microbiomes, you know, bacterial stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Right there with you. You got to keep it all intact. You wear some fun makeup, I see. I see a bright pop of color every so often. Um, <laughs> Is that kind of a part of your like visual identity? I'm, I'm you know, I'm curious. I, I always love um, chatting with makeup fans just because they, they always have such good tips. Oh, that's fun. You know, I started wearing bright lips when I worked in fashion and that has just stuck with me. I had I had a friend who I have a friend. She still does my makeup for my videos, actually, who works at NARS. 
And I started using NARS Lip, you know, like 10 years ago or maybe a little less than that. And that's all I have is just amazing NARS lipsticks and lip pencils. And I don't wear much else because I don't know. I like, I don't do my brows. I don't wear eyeliner. I don't wear eyeshadow. Like sometimes I'll put a little bit of like light, you know, like a light smudge stick in the corners of my eyes and mascara tinted moisturizer. That's like the extent of my skills and abilities. (laughs) But the bright lip, you know, makes it just look so fun and and so done. So I definitely have like funny face is my go to forever there. Okay. What color is that? It's like fuchsia. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Heat wave is like a really good orange. Yeah. I know that one. Is a pencil. Yeah. Really good pencil. Jungle red. I'd say those are my, my most frequent. The oh, orgasm, neat. like, uh, yeah. A classic, of course. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and you know what? I'll say one more thing there. I think that, yes. you know, people respond really well to the fact that I'm an herbalist, but I still like fashion and lipstick. And I think that that is a way that it, I sort of open this up to, to the idea that, like, you can be, I mean, people literally say, I'm so glad to know that I can be an herbalist and I can still wear my makeup. And sure. Yes. Yes, you can. <laughs> That's so funny that there is that disconnect there, but there totally is. People mm-hmm. think that if they want to somehow dabble in the like health mm. industry, they have to be fully crunchy the entire mm-hmm. time. And that is certainly not the way I live my life. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, I still live in in New York. So <laughs> sure. Yeah. Can do, yeah. Can do both. Yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I so appreciate chatting with you and getting all of your best recommendations. I know that there are a few that I will be adopting into my routine. And I just also loved to hear your philosophies on wellness and beauty. They were so, so beautiful. So I'm, I'm so happy to have this chance to chat with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Hey everyone, thank you so much for coming by and listening to today's episode. If you liked this episode and you like this podcast in general, don't forget to rate and review us and I will see you next week.